So now at 8.14, we open up our radio salon. We have Mr. Jung Hwang, independent legal researcher with Law Quant LLC, and panellist Hee Jin Koo. I say panellist because it's still something you're getting used to as a title after a few weeks now, but you've also been a former foreign correspondent and research fellow at the Korea Peninsula Future Forum, and it's always a pleasure to welcome both of you in the studio. Good morning, morning, Alex. So, it wasn't too difficult to select the overarching theme for today. (laughs) What else could we talk about? Even if you tried to talk about something else, I'm sure COVID-19 would make its way into the conversation, right? Uh, Especially um, ever since last week when uh, we went from a couple of dozens to now approaching a thousand. It's it's very scary. Yeah, there are some asterisks there, like, for example... The fact that this happened within a very specific group of people who behaved in a very specific way that seems to have fueled this, and we, we, something that we can talk about today. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it doesn't really seem to help calm the panic, does it? I mean, the fact that we can say we've got forty cases in Seoul, mm-hmm. a city of millions, yet people in Seoul are behaving as if. Uh, there's a very good chance they're going to meet someone today who has uh, COVID-19 infection. I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. Um, Certainly, there's a natural level of caution that's advisable. But are we at risk of kind of going too far, do you think? Jung Hwang, do you want to weigh in? It depends on what is too far. I mean, you know... uh having a city of 10 million people daily having their, you know, masks. I mean, you know, that's basically 10 million masks a day. I mean, you know, is is that going too far? Or, you know, we haven't really gone to, you know, quarantine any part of South Korea yet. So, you know. I I guess, um, you know, before we get into the more specific sides of this that you both want to discuss, I guess what I would suggest might be too far is if we're changing our habits to the extent that businesses are suffering that um, people are you know, basically losing a lot of money, not able to support their families, and uh, then could be affected much worse than they would perhaps even if they'd contracted a mild form of COVID-19. For sure. I mean, you know, uh, the economic response, I, I think it, it's, it's going to be hard to really, uh, you know, quantify for quite some time. But, you know, definitely if you're not going out, you know, not spending money, obviously the economic activity slows down. So you absolutely have a point there. Um, by all means, weigh in on that as well. But I'll hand over to you now, Ms. Koo, because you've got your particular angle that you wanted to bring in today. Um, yes, uh, as you rightly pointed out, it has fueled the, uh, a uh, um, concern, let's say. Um, so much so, especially regarding the Daegu, Gyeongbuk area, that the government as well as C- uh, CDC officials... Um, use the word 봉쇄, blockade, lockdown, containment, what have you. It had con- connotations of a containment or lockdown during the 1980 Gwangju uh, uprising or rather a Gwangju revolution. Um, and uh, the uh, public uproar was so f- came so fast, so furiously that um, <laughs> Moon Jae-in had to go, uh, President Moon Jae-in had to go himself down to Daegu yesterday to calm this uproar. So let's um, talk about this blame game. This idea that 
you pass the blame along. You could keep going, of course, with this all the way to uh, Wuhan and maybe the the live market there, which we're still not sure is 100% responsible. But but here within Korea, in the context, there's this idea that you look around and you, and you think, well, that group that I mentioned before, if they hadn't done things in that certain way, we'd probably be talking about dozens or maybe low hundreds rather than nearly a thousand cases right now. That in itself is true, yes. Uh, not okay, we are going to go into that religious uh, group later on, but just for uh, the, to start off with, uh, remember a, a couple of weeks ago we uh, talked about uh, PR disasters and what not to do. Um, and unfortunately, the Tabudo um, Minjudang, the Democratic Party, unfortunately went the same route again um, and uh, used the wrong words at the wrong time. Um, and uh, the Tegu uh, and Kyungbuk people, albeit they are, there are um, 80% of the Uh, uh, confirmed cases of COVID-19 come from that area, albeit um, it did not help with the fact that uh, the whole city right now is undergoing a deep depression. Um, Many of my acquaintances from that area have uh, likened the city to a ghost town because um, the streets are empty. Uh, There is hardly any activity going around in that uh, city. And, and we, we interviewed uh, a resident in Daegu, in fact, this week, and, and they were saying how they've got two children to support. Mm-hmm. They're not sure exactly if there's going to be any support from the government. Exactly, on that. And that, exactly. That's a very worrying circumstance. In fact, many people are worried just about being placed into quarantine rather than worrying about the virus itself. Hence the fury and the uproar. Um, and in order to uh, appease uh, this uh, um, anger or ind- and indignation, the Prime Minister in, uh, himself is going to be uh, headquartered in Daegu um, from today to, uh, to uh, c- keep the situation in check. The... Um I mean, let's get into some of the basics of this, even just the naming of COVID-19, which widely is being described as Corona-19 or just Corona by people uh, (laughs) here in Korea. Uh, The the politics of it are always very relevant. First, it was a diplomatic issue. like We shouldn't be referring to China in this name or, or Wuhan. But now domestically, what you call this sometimes can be an indication of whether you're on the conservative side or, or on the government side, uh, Zheng Huang. Yeah, yeah uh, I guess, you know, there are a couple of, I guess, possible uh, faux pas from the government um, and as well as the ruling party. The use of the word blockade, as, you know, uh, Ms. Ku has mentioned, I think that was sort of a, a slip-up that, you know, the government is trying to, you know, now uh, make up for. Previously, you know, Taegu, uh, the, the mayor of the city of Tegu actually said, you know, please, uh, you know, on a press conference a couple of days ago saying that, you know, do not use the words like Tegu coronavirus or uh, Tegu flu and so forth. And that's coming from a slightly mis, uh, you know, misleading reading of a government pr- a press release that happened to put the words you know, Tagu and coronavirus next to each other. And it wasn't really meant to be read that way, but I suppose that some people in the uh, internet community sort of you know, ran with it, and uh, the, the mayor of the Tagu was very upset about that. And then, I mean, it's just, just to extend that point a little bit further, Ms. Koo, uh, we have this idea of Moon Jae-in being blamed, I, I don't know how, how far we can 
portion blame. I mean, we're going to talk, as you said, much more in detail about the Shinchanji group um, in a little while. But uh, as far as the government's blame is concerned, could it have done anything massively different? Because there is this desire on the Conservative side to pin some of this blame, or maybe a lot of this blame, on President Moon Jae-in and the government going into the general election in just a couple of months' time. Well, um, most of the uh, blame so far regarding the Daegu Gyeongbuk area um, is basically because of that wording, the faux pas. Um, and also uh, regarding Shincheonji, oh, sorry, the, the uh, religious group. Um, they, uh, the government is very quick to use the word uh, of that, the name of the uh, religious group um, as part of the reasons why it spread or spiked so fast. And uh, they have the numbers to prove that. They have the uh, the road that they took, the, the various routes that they took of the uh, confirmed cases to back up that claim. Um, so, yes, uh, it is part... Uh, the, the, the government has uh, proven that... Uh, there was little that they could do in order to um, limit uh, the spread or the spike in that area. So the government is trying, that is the reason why the government is trying to contain the the spread or the spike to this area or limit the spread to other areas. Unfortunately, we, as you mentioned earlier in the show, there have been clusters showing up all around the country and just limiting or trying to contain that uh, uh, spread it to Daegu and Gyeongbuk is not working at all right now. I mean, we can talk about now, I think, what measures are possible. Quarantine is the big word that's been thrown around a lot, but it means different things mm-hmm. from the extremes of the Wuhan-style lockdown to, well, you just work from home and be responsible for yourself, effectively. Self-quarantine, they, they, they call it, don't they? Um, or social distancing, I think that's the more preferred uh, the terminology these days. I mean, you know, as you mentioned earlier, people are already doing that in terms of just not going out as much, you know, not attending, you know, big mass events. You know, there are um, almost all sports events in Korea are now being performed without any audience. You know, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if you go out, go out on the streets, you know, restaurants are far, far less filled. I mean, people are sort of you know self quarantining in that way already. And uh, and the so Seoul Fashion Week, which is a huge event of the year, they're cancelling their twentieth anniversary this year, mm-hmm. um, completely. Um, this is a a uh, massive, let's say social distancing or rather um, self-isolationist measures that you can take um, at this time. I mean, again, I I don't envy the government having to make very difficult decisions. I mean, in in an ideal world, if you didn't have to worry about the economy, the surefire way to deal with an outbreak like this would be to kind of lock everyone down. But people would be very upset about that, I'm sure, given all the practical considerations. And where you find the balance between that and everybody just going out and living life completely as normal Mm -hmm. is is, um, always going to be subject to scrutiny. Uh, Let's look at this message from QNRL007 on YouTube. It's been scary to see the numbers skyrocket over the past few days, but I wasn't too concerned being based in Seoul. And just to pause there for a moment, Seoul still only has 40 cases, just to reiterate. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's kind of fair enough as a, as a way of thinking about this. Be concerned or cautious, but not too concerned. But then 
The next part of the message reads, I started panicking a bit after my friend who works at a conglomerate in downtown Seoul told me that she had to go home early yesterday after someone from work who she knows tested positive. I'm worried I'll hear more cases like this from people around me. And this is exactly what's happening. On social media, for example, we are seeing lots of stories which feel very close to home, mm. which make it feel as though the virus is all around us. Well, you know, given how connected we are in this world, I mean, even 40 uh, uh, people in Seoul who are infected with COVID-19, you know, eventually you will, you'll realize that one of those 40 people will be someone you know who knows someone who knows someone and somehow connected with that person. And, you know, a number of you know, places in Seoul, uh, Seoul have already been locked down because, you know, some of those 40 people have been to, you know, those places. And we also have a message from 0888 on our text. It's definitely not a time to waste time on the blame game. Just contain the disease ASAP. And thank you for sharing that as well. And I guess it depends what, what exactly we mean by the blame game. I think for people, whilst they're in self-quarantine, debating what's behind this is probably not uh, too harmful. But if the government is wasting time in the blame game and politicians are putting their energy there, maybe that is a concern. We'll get back to that including on the religious group we just mentioned, after your latest hourly bulletin. Good morning to you. So, uh, welcome back to TBS EFM. It's 8.30. We are deeply embroiled in our latest radio salon with Mr. Zhang Huang and Ms. Hijin Ku. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. morning again. This is one of those very tough subjects to kind of stay focused on, I must confess, because we, we can get dragged into all sorts of directions. This, this story has been like that anyway. Uh, but we do have this um, indication that maybe we've gone too far, or possibly we just need to ride out the economic storm until we start seeing a big reduction in cases, maybe even an eradication of cases. How long do you think it's reasonable for us to wait as a, as a society, though? Well, JP Morgan had said that uh, the peak will probably uh, uh, plateau in the second or third week of March. But it also predicted... But- like 10 times as many cases as now. Exactly, uh, given the Wuhan uh, uh, model. Um, But at the same time, um, given SARS and MERS, uh, given that those outbreaks lasted from seven months to nine months to completely be eradicated, yes, we're looking at the long haul. Um, And uh, with SARS and MERS, it did not quite uh, uh, cause as much an international stir as the current uh, coronavirus is right now all over the world. Yeah, I mean, I I always, well, every few days maybe, come back in my mind to MERS and think, imagine if we had the MERS outbreak of 2015, say, next year, Mm -hmm. how different... (laughs) the country's response would be to that compared with the what now feels like a relatively muted response in hindsight. But it, it's not like there was no response at the time. It was just a relatively small number of overall cases, but a, a much higher rate of death. Let's um, talk a bit more about the restrictions. There'll be lots of people listening who have travel plans this mm-hmm. year, and they'll wonder, 
let's say they've got a travel plan in June or something like that. They'll oh, be wondering. Check. Check with your travel agency and check with the foreign ministry's website. Currently, we have about 24 countries that either ban entry for South Koreans or limit uh, the entry uh, uh, straight out of the airport. Um, uh, Those countries that have... completely banned South Koreans entering their uh, country are Hong Kong, sorry, territories and countries, Hong Kong, Jordan, uh, Israel, Mauritius, um, Samoa, Kiribati, Bahrain and Nauru. And uh, limits are, uh, are for Taiwan, Vietnam, Singapore, Thailand, the UK, Kazakhstan, just to name a few. I mean, for me, I've got most of my family in those places uh, in Hong Kong and the UK. Mm. And, uh, and, and if I had to urgently reach one of them, I, I feel somewhat stifled. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to. You won't be able to enter that country, unfortunately, or you, your entry will be limited. You, be actually, limited, yeah. Yeah, you, you will be actually quarantined, which happened in the case of 200 uh, uh, travelers to Israel, as well as Uh, those to Vietnam who arrived actually this morning after a two-week quarantine. I've had family, in fact, ask me several times, would you, know, would you consider getting out of Korea? And I, I keep saying I'd rather be in self-quarantine here in Korea than, than go travelling now. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think uh, there's anything that the UK has to offer medically that would be better than what I could access here either for what it's, for what it's worth. And this brings uh, us back to the question should South Koreans um, exercise restraint from uh, travelling overseas right now? And the answer is unfortunately yes. South Korea uh, has the most number of confirmed uh, cases of COVID-19 outside China and it has the third l- largest number of deaths uh, after China and Iran. So, yes, exercise restraint. Um, If you really have to travel overseas, then check with the foreign ministry as well as the the embassies uh, in question. Despite everything that's been happening here in Korea, Zhonghuang, there's still this feeling that China's ultimately responsible or that the Chinese people maybe are to be held with greater suspicion than other nationalities. I mean, I still sense that, um, not necessarily among everyone, but you hear comments every now and then to that effect. And whilst the bigger level of concern that we've just addressed is getting out of Korea, what about the tens of thousands of Chinese students who are about to come in? Or there are news that, you know, even though some of the Chinese feel that things are worse in South Korea than, you know, some of the other less affected parts of South China. So, I mean, I think it's to what extent you, you can really base any of this. I mean, you know, the, one, one thing I guess I, I would like to point out is that, you know, uh, one of the reasons that South Korea might have the you know, most re- number of reported cases is that you know, South Korea is also one of the most tested countries in the, in the world. I mean, we have seen clusters of infection break out in Iran and in, in, in Italy and, you know, things might be you know, spreading in Europe, Europe. You know, just a few hours ago in the U.S., the, the U.S. CDC director actually, actually testified before the Senate saying that well, we don't think it's just a matter of time. Not, you know, there are only a, a couple of dozen cases in the U.S., but they, you know, at least the American cities feels that things will just break out eventually. I mean, it's just, you know, things, things are calm now, but this is just a calm before the storm. 
Coming back to you on that, uh, Ms. Ku, I mean, this situation around Chinese students coming in, if they want to come back in, they're going to be faced themselves with pretty restrictive circumstances, going straight to dormitories, I understand, and not necessarily being able to live life as normal. They might be better off holding fire for a bit. But again, this is where you get to this balance between carrying on with some semblance of normal life and just locking everything down, no matter what the cost. Well, um, as you may well know, there are 70,000 Chinese students currently enrolled in uh, South Korean universities all across the country. And uh, of them, 38,000 are coming in uh, or have been coming in um, and placing themselves in self-quarantine for two weeks before the actual school starts. Um, And uh, they are in currently... uh, current need of um, support from the university as well as the government to support themselves during that two weeks. Mm. Um, And uh, the South uh, South Korean government has allocated 4.2 billion won, nearly um, 4 million US dollars to try and help them. Um, And again, South Koreans are saying, okay, Uh, the, there, there is uh, help for, this, uh, for the Chinese students coming into South Korea. But what about help towards the Gyeongbokdaegu area, which has been hard hit by the coronavirus? Again, this is, a, uh, this is again, a, a, a policy making nightmare, actually. Exactly, an issue that has uh, f- uh, angered uh, people from that region. Yeah. Well, I mean, no one's going to come out of this completely unscathed. One way or another, everyone in the country will, I'm sure, feel some economic pinch or some discomfort or some hassle, for want of a better word. But 7574 has texted in. What do you think about the people who had wedding plans? The Korean government has a fundamental problem of a low rate in marriage, not to mention the birth rate. I mean, it's a valid question whether or not you want to tie that to the the bigger problem of the birth rate. Um, If you have big plans, even if it's not travel, if it's just a big plan for a gathering of some sort, like a wedding, that's your big moment or one of your big moments in life. Um, uh, according to news reports, the wedding uh, area has uh, been hard hit. Again, uh, the uh, wedding planning also has been ha- hard hit by the COVID-19. Um, many of the visitors or the, um, uh, the, the in, uh, invites going to guests, uh, the guests have arrived, but they actually uh, hand in their, um, let's say, lucky envelope to the happy couple And immediately leave. They do not stay yeah. for the uh, for the meal that follows. Usually after the wedding ceremony, it, it's, it's sad to hear. I, I also think of other cases, like for example, someone who's receiving cancer treatment right now, or someone who was waiting for a life saving transplant of some kind, or any other number of urgent medical issues not related to COVID nineteen. Even just being in the hospital environment right now is a bit bizarre. And scary at the same and, time. And scary, because like, they would know they are particularly vulnerable. And, yeah, unfortunately, yes. And uh, um, on a personal note, my father is going to have a surgery next week. And, well, uh, there you go. That's uh, exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And my family have... Has Uh, uh, the members of my family have have been very vocal about whether to postpone the surgery or uh, whether to uh, go on with the surgery if it's you know absolutely necessary. Um, yes, it's it's a frightening thought. So so it's the government policy questions that are difficult, but personal policy questions are difficult as well. Let's 
get on to what we've promised we'll talk about, though. The, uh, the sect, the religious group, the... Uh, The sect that will not be named. We can say Shincheonji. I, 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 I don't know if um, people will be rushing to join their ranks out of this or not. Uh, but I mean, I, I think we could easily again here be taken off on a tangent about their beliefs and whether it's right to have such a prevalent religious group in our society that seems to have some distasteful strategies like hassling people when they try to leave and and so on and i was aware of some of those things before this outbreak but this outbreak has ramped up the suspicion about this group it's fair to say over to you mr huang yeah i mean really i mean once you start talking about cults in south korea especially you know you know once uh, one group such as shinchanji who is you know whether or not you believe it's a cult it is widely accused by most of the mainstream korean churches as a cult and you know and they use that to their defense as well don't they i mean they just to throw in a disclaimer there the more you attack them the more they say internally and i was reading some of their materials online yesterday that it's kind of evidence of of them being right and and everyone else being different And also, you know, once they get into their kind of a siege mentality already, you know, they, are, they have been, you know, labeled as a cult by various churches in Korea, you know, they might actually be, you know, kind of lashing out and really not cooperate with the government. So from a public policy point of view, you sort of have to wonder, is this the right time to have a, you know, kind of in-depth discussion about Shincheonji and their religious practices? I mean, to the extent, you know, that they haven't been cooperative with the various government agencies. and uh, local governments, you know, they've been treated harshly. But overall, I think the you know, government has wisely stayed out of the kind of at least the religious practices part of the question. But, you know, I think my majority of the South Koreans are sort of like, well, you know, we look at COVID-19 cases approaching 1,000 and something like something close to 70% is related to uh, this one sect. How can we not place some blame on, on their doorstep? I, I mean, they've got to accept some responsibility. I don't know how much of some of the reporting is true on this when they've been giving these stories, like they try to go around infecting other people on purpose to have less scrutiny on Shincheonji. Some of it doesn't necessarily sound like um, fair reporting. I think you have to say allegedly at least when you talk about these claims. Uh, because, because people have been, because it's Shincheonji, it's almost been fair game to just say whatever you like about them. Uh, but let's look at some big mainstream media headlines here. South Korea is testing 200,000 members of a doomsday church linked to more than 60% of its coronavirus cases. That came out uh, just a few hours ago in Business Insider. We also have South China Morning Post. And you might think, why would they test that many people? Well, how about this? Secretive South Korean church linked to outbreak held meetings in Wuhan until December. This the Chinese city at the heart of this outbreak originally from December. Uh, around 200 Shincheonji members apparently continue to meet in Wuhan amid rumors of a virus, but no one took those claims seriously at first. I, I think in their defense, back in December, that's a perfectly legitimate response. It wasn't until 
late December and into January that anyone was taking it very seriously globally. And, you know, we have no real, no, no real idea about how originally this COVID-19 became so, you know, kind of introduced to, you know, one of their members. And, and, and I guess now we're pretty, pretty certain that subsequently that through their various religious meetings that, you know, things could kind of got out of hand. One, on one hand, I mean, as you said, you know, it's a doomsday cult and there are people on the online saying that, you know, they did it on purpose. But, well, I mean, You know, uh, if you subscribe to that conspiracy theory, you will also have to say, well, they, I guess if they really try to do doing it on purpose, they were really fairly inept in doing that. I mean, if they have a devoted member of members, you know, numbering 200,000 in South Korea, and they only managed to infect about six or 700 people, I mean, come on, that, that, that's, you know, abject failure. You know, I mean, you sort of have to go down that rabbit hole. So, you know, I think that kind of conspiracy theory is uh, holds no water but were they kind of you know somewhat uh, you know naive or you know very careless with the way they held their religious practices while this you know outbreak is happening i I guess you know many people feel that they are i must say i mean the impact on religion generally has not been particularly pretty i think it's given a lot of people concerns about the way religious groups act the way that perhaps they sometimes may behave irrationally as a practicing catholic here i've got to say they've been very cautious from the start in fact this is the first time in my practicing life that um i don't have a mass to go to this weekend or indeed today for ash wednesday i mean i I was actually surprised that um every soul diocese i mean the whole soul diocese they just made that decision basically no unilaterally Uh, yes um uh, from starting from friday the government uh had been Uh, announced uh, that it had met with religious leaders and had decided to uh, announce to their worshippers and members that it is okay not to come to church, not to come to services, not to come to mass. It's yeah, because Lent is a very, very much so, very much a time of getting closer to church, and <laughs> and, and people are being told to stay away from church, effectively, although mm-hmm. to to do whatever they can. Otherwise, um, alone at home, like the way people are working from home or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and by the way, it's not just a Catholic church. Many Protestant churches out there, many other religious groups are following similar measures. Um, but the thing is, we do need to protect freedom of religious expression. As absurd as I might think some of the tenets of this Shincheonji group are, I would hate to see them forcibly shut down because of this outbreak. Uh, I think a better case might be presented if they are going around harassing members of the public. But based on the outbreak alone, I don't know. That doesn't feel like good enough grounds to completely shut down a, a group. To be clear, you know, when you mean shut down, shut, shut down permanently. Now. That's what the shut petition, down the hundreds of thousands of people at right. last glance, it, it's rising all the time. Yeah, they it was nearly at one million, yes. Right. So um, the thing is, uh, we have to, yes, um, protect the religious freedom and the rights of free speech. Yes, but if this religious sect uh, or the leader of the religious sect goes around um, telling the, his worshippers that... That the spread of the coronavirus is the devil's deed um, and th- the leaders do not wear masks when holding services, mm. when they uh, uh, force the worshippers to kneel down in rank and file on the floor during service uh, for hours upon end, yes, there is a problem. 
I understand. I, and it's, it's a highly sensitive one. As, as I said before, I, I, I certainly don't want to defend those practices or the way they do things. And I, and I, and I wouldn't advocate. I mean, I, I think even the Bible itself disproves so many of the things that are claimed here. But coming back to the dangerous ground, if you place the government's hands with this responsibility of shutting down religious groups, it, it could twist and backfire at some point in the future, couldn't it, Jung Wong? Of course, and I don't think the South Korean government is going, that route, going down that route. I mean, the only thing they're really doing is that, you know, you, you might want to you know, shut down your services for the next you know, few weeks, as, as long as this COVID-19 is not raging right now, and the fact that you need to hand over all the information. And there has been a backlash from the group on that point, too. I mean, you know, the, the list that, that they have submitted to the government has been leaked online, apparently, and some of the, their members have been harassed based on their list, or, they, or, or so they claim. And then I think it shows kind of the, uh, uh, the dilemma in the sense that even with a kind of a wacky, strange group like this, you do need their own compliance. I mean, you know, you can't really force everyone into quarantine and if that's the case, they, you do need some kind of the self-compliance and you, you, you do need their cooperation to a large extent. Um, mirroring, in a sense, what I just said, 7764's got in touch saying, cautiously adding my opinion that I think the government should look at the big picture and try to find the origin of the disease. It feels like the approach towards this specific cult is cornering them and I'm afraid this will later bounce back in a negative way. Uh, thank you for getting in touch. I mean, it's also... One of the messages we had earlier on placing your energy not so much on the blame game but more on handling the outbreak, the government anyway should just be saying let's put this issue to one side and uh, and contain what's already out there because whatever we can say about Shincheonji, I'm sure that right now they're not actively spreading the disease. Well, I, I hope. <laughs> well, the government took steps just yesterday to enter um, uh, the headquarters or the, uh, the one of the offices of Shincheonji to tr- uh, obtain that 200,000 uh, member list and they will be actively uh, uh, the members will be go- actively tested by the government which I think, as you mentioned, will uh, raise the number of uh, confirmed cases in the coming weeks. Yeah. Um, Yes. But as you said, uh, testing is the key um, to containment, uh, as Mr. Uh, Chongwang said. uh, And uh, this uh, this is the reason why um, they need those 200,000 members tested. Uh, Ewald Brunus back in touch saying, in my church, Shinchanji members often pose as visitors to draw people from our congregation. And that's the sort of thing that I've been hearing for years, the warnings about that happening. Yes, I have heard that as well from my uh, friends who are churchgoers. But... But at the same time, you know, I also, you know, while I, you know, do personally sort of view Shincheonji as a kind of wacky religious group, but I mean, it's not like mainline, mainline the churches don't go out and proselytize. Evangelize, too, so. right. Yeah. I mean, this is also where some of my caution comes in, you know, as a, as a practicing Catholic. I think, well, it's very easy for someone to turn around and say, well, you know, you think their beliefs are, are crazy, um, but what about some of your beliefs? And maybe we should just shut religion down. And I'm not saying South Korea is close to doing that, but it's these kind of theoretical decisions we have to keep in mind when addressing fringe groups. And it was a bit like on the political front as well, um, when years ago they, they shut down that minor opposition UPP. It was, uh, it was the, the question of setting a dangerous precedent. That's right. Um, 
So, I mean, in conclusion, either of you, can you have 20, 30 seconds? Where do you see us heading or what do you want to leave us with? Um, right now, uh, yes, as one of our listeners have pointed out, the blame game only goes so far. The right now, uh, we have to uh, contain the situation. And in order to do that, we have to actively test and uh, test and uh, uh, self-quarantine ourselves uh, in order to uh, sp- uh, contain the spread of the, the uh, virus and try to... Um, Stay safe, stay safe and uh, um, uh, uh, calm, calm. Keeping calm, I think, is the measure of the game right now. And over to you for a few seconds, Jung Hwang. Yep, I think, you know, despite boiling public opinion, I think the government is doing the right thing as far as s h i n c h a n j i is concerned in that, you know, you only address the public health portion of the uh, issue, not the religious portion of the issue. Thank you, both of you, for being here for our latest radio salon. I dare say the issue will still be around next week, but uh, that's it for this edition. Thank you.